Ghost Biz is proudly presented by IJG. IJG, making your money work for you. Time now for Ghost Biz, where we talk to the finance ghost, and he brings us up to speed with all the interesting things. He goes through all the sense announcements for the uh, for the JC and the NSX, so, so you don't have to. Ghost, welcome to uh, the business report. Let's uh, start out with Suntum. Um, in your daily newsletter sent out, the, the good news at Suntum is the year end of December saw uh, uh, headline earnings growth of 17 to 37%. Those are astounding numbers given the uh, the pressures on the economy right now. Yeah, not not bad, right? So that's for the year end of December 2023, and it is solid, definitely. But I think what's quite interesting about Suntime is if you dig into those numbers to understand why they achieved this HEPs growth, it's not really from what people would understand to be the core insurance business. You know, the way insurance works, obviously, is you pay short-term insurance, something goes wrong at your house or with your car or whatever the case may be, and the insurance company pays. Now, obviously, they have a portfolio of risks, so they might lose money on an individual client, but spread over many thousands of clients, they should lock in a nice net underwriting margin their long-term target range is 5 to 10%. So there's quite a lot of variance there already. And that's obviously because of the potential for major loss events, something that unfortunately South Africans know all about. And they are still struggling to actually get into that target range. So the reason they've done well on HEPs for this period is simply because interest rates are higher. Insurance companies sit on a whole lot of money in their insurance float that they need to hold on to, and they invest that money. And so in a period of rising interest rates, they can go and put that money into money market accounts, fixed interest portfolios, and simply earn a better return on their balance sheet. And that drives their headline earnings per share. Of course, when interest rates start to drop, then it goes the other way very quickly. And then net underwriting margin needs to be what carries them through. So nice numbers for Suntum, but very big caveat about where they are getting them from. Uh, well, if nothing else, it might make them a little more generous with some of those claims over the next little bit. <laughs> Just maybe. Right. Let's uh, talk about transaction capital. Uh, we buy cars uh, also here in Namibia. And uh, there's been a lot of, they were obviously an enormous uh, transaction a, a year or two ago. And they've, they've you know really almost disrupted the entire secondhand car market. And now transaction is looking to list we buy cars separately from its own listing. And that is to protect it uh, from the SA taxi business. That's the uh, the underlying thinking there. But they have now announced how it's going to work. Yeah, so I think on one hand, it is definitely to try and isolate it from the contagion of the rest of the group. But the other big point here is We Buy Cars is pretty much their golden goose right now. And unfortunately, when times are tough, you need to then actually let go of the golden goose because that's where you're going to get the best value. And then you can go off and try to fix the rest and get the best possible possible result from it. So... The results for We Buy Cars for the last four months really shows how strong the business is. Revenue up 16% year on year, core earnings up 20%. So there's still margin expansion there. And I think what's most impressive is the inventory value only increased by 2%, despite revenue up 16%. So if you just think about it, if you're running your own business, suddenly you're making a whole lot more money, but you haven't invested a whole lot more money in stock. So they're just doing a much better job of getting cars in and out, in and out, in and out. And they have actually done a strategic pivot towards cheaper cars. So my litmus test is always to go and see if they have any Maseratis on the floor. Uh, when I searched it last week, there were no Maseratis mm-hmm. anywhere. So that's some, that's a typical slow seller sort of premium car. They're not a, they don't have a single one. So they have definitely pivoted away from that kind of stuff, those sort of halo cars. 
and it has improved the metrics a little bit in the business. And it couldn't come at a better time, of course, because they want to unbundle it now. Now, traditional unbundling would simply mean I own shares in We Buy Cars and you are my shareholder and I give those shares to you because you were a shareholder in We Buy Cars anyway on a look-through basis. That's a very simplistic transaction. It wouldn't help We Buy, uh, rather, it wouldn't help transaction capital very much because then they would just be left with the, the tough businesses and they would have given away everything. So what they've done is they've gone and done some very interesting steps in between, which will Stockdale Street, which is linked to the Oppenheimers, and Ulvest, which is linked to the Ellerines, all coming on board and actually buying up pieces of the business so the transaction capital can dilute its stake as part of this, unlock some cash, and take that cash and go and sort out the rest of its business if they can. The value of We Buy Cars, when you kind of look through this actually very complicated transaction, I even had a call with the management team this morning because, to be honest, the announcement didn't make it simple. But basically, We Buy Cars is valued at roughly 7.5 billion rands. So higher than I expected, to be honest, but I didn't have the benefit of the results over the past four months when I kind of looked at the numbers a couple of weeks ago. And they've managed to get some really big investors across the line at that valuation. So that's good news. I guess the question now is going to be what happens to We Buy Cars once it is separately listed? Will the share, will the market latch onto that and leave the rest of transaction capital as an ugly duckling? And will the rump of transaction capital then be a great takeout target for the management team? I think there's still a lot of very interesting stuff that could happen. All speculation from my side at this point, genuinely. But if you just look at what t tends to happen in, in situations like this, those are some of the potential outcomes. Some intrigue building there, right? Let's go back to boring business as usual. Uh, cash builds is a is a good litmus, litmus test for what's happening in the economy, and they seem to be following a number of the other DIY listed groups in uh, in reporting headline earnings being down, probably further giving us even more evidence if we needed it that uh, people are cash strapped and they're making big decisions. Yeah, unfortunately, business as usual at cash build is not a is not a lack of story at the moment at all. At, at the end of the day, if you're going to invest in your property, you need to have a lot of belief in the economy going forward because it's a fixed asset, right? You can't just easily sell it or get out. You know, if you're thinking, oh, I might immigrate one day, your house is going to be your biggest headache. So unfortunately, this comes through in the building and construction materials sector. Demand is horrible at the moment, and that that makes it almost impossible for Cashbill to actually do anything other than suffer. And their headline earnings per share for the 26 weeks ended 24, 24th December is down between 15% and 25%. So going the wrong way. And on, honestly, what are the catalysts for this to get better? Interest rates are still high. Consumers are still struggling. Load shedding is still a thing. Uh, doesn't seem like it's going to get better anytime soon. Something that uh, might get better is uh, the whole energy sector and especially the focus on renewables. It's still a, a huge economic debate. There's no real consensus on, uh, on on the sort of the next 10 to 20 years, but it is clear that anyone in these spaces is looking at, at all the options on the table. And Anglo-America uh, is off to Finland. They've already got one, in, one investment there, but they're off to Finland to talk about battery metals strategy. Um, that's an interesting diversification for Anglo. Yeah, so I always laugh at how the market behaves, right? So a couple of years ago, EVs were everything and no one was going to have a petrol car past 2030 and that was the sort of savior of everything. Go look at the headlines now about electric vehicles and demand and what Ford is doing, what Volkswagen is doing, how Tesla is having to cut prices. At the end of the day, when government subsidies are not there anymore or lower, people are not actually that excited to go and spend a whole lot more on an electric vehicle than on a you know sort of traditional and very efficient brand new petrol engine car. But be that as it may, obviously, these big uh, energy houses are thinking about these transition metals and a future of batteries and all that kind of thing. 
So we've seen Sabanier do a deal on a lithium asset in Finland. Uh, we've now seen Anglo-American and the Finnish Minerals Group signing a memorandum of understanding. There's no more detail around it at this stage, but it's basically the first step in the dance of maybe doing some more stuff together in Finland, which is quite rich with these sort of battery metals. But what I did also enjoy is on the same day that this news broke, you had news of Glencore putting a nickel mine into care and maintenance in one of the French overseas territories. Because nickel prices have been so bad, this nickel mine has not turned a profit in 10 years since Glencore picked it up as part of an old transaction that kind of just had to take this over as well. They've not made a profit from it in 10 years, and now it's so bad that they just have to let it go even though it's going to be really rough for the region where this mine is found. So, yes, you know, the sort of electric car boom and everything else, but commodities are not that easy and there's still big supply and demand stuff. And nickel has been a really rough story. So we'll see what Anglo-American does in Finland. But I think the message here is, you know, just because the European governments want the whole world to believe that we're all going to drive electric vehicles tomorrow, does not mean that battery metals are this guaranteed golden goose. And markets are harder than that. Well, um, now, for many of our listeners, they're in business to make money. They uh, they want to earn some cash. And uh, cash is indeed what some people in South Africa are earning at the moment. And uh, in your daily newsletter that you send out, Ghost Bites, there's uh, always a, an interesting one that I like looking at, and that's uh, director's dealings. Of course, directors must um, must announce and, and make clear any dealings they have um, with companies that they are directors of. A, a director of NUSPAT uh, has waited until a post-Christmas period to cash in. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so a lot of these NUSPAS sales relate to old share options. And if you've been around at NUSPAS long enough, I think the money literally just fell out of the sky, especially if you were at a senior level. So the latest director dealing is a, is a sale of shares worth about 80 million bucks. And that only represents around 58% of the shares that were received under that particular tranche of share options. And that's really the point here is this is just one tranche of share options. You know, long story short, if you're in a business like NUSPAS, if you were there at the right time, and it was the same if you were sort of early days Capitec or, you know, if you were on the right bus and you were senior enough to get share options, then the money is is actually just extraordinary. And yeah, you sometimes see it coming through in, in director dealings like that. I must say the director dealing to end all director dealings came out probably about a week and a half ago. It was for Discam. It was the founding family offloading. I can't remember the exact number offhand. I think it was like one and a half billion rands worth of shares in the market. It's just an incredible number. I don't think I've ever seen a number that big. But I mean, they founded the business. So it's it's a wonderful story. That's how capitalism works, right? And of course, the, you can follow all of that information in the daily newsletter. Get along to the Finance Ghost's website, subscribe to the newsletter, and you can be up to date as well. Thanks, Ghost. We'll let you go. Ghost Biz was proudly presented by IJG. IJG, making your money work for you. Visit IJG.net for more information.